you're used to saying 2020, right? Right? You're writing it, you're saying it, you're typing it, it's 2020, we all got that, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So one of the things that I thought would be fun, at least for this month of January, is to think about what it means to have 2020 vision. And you're supposed to giggle and smile at the play on words, right? 2020 vision. What does it mean to have people who see things clearly? And you know I'm not just talking about literally, right? How is it that we are called to be because of what we are able to see? And how is it that we are able to see most faithfully as God's people? So if you will, please stand. I'll be reading the gospel lesson from Matthew this morning. As we begin considering this 2020 vision that we have, hear the word of the Lord. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we have observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened. He said, when King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is shepherd to my people. Then Herod secretly called the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. And when they heard the king, they set out and there... Ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. And on entering the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated and let us pray. O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in thy sight. May your vision be our vision. May we be willing to encounter you anew and afresh, willing to submit ourselves to what it is you would have us see this day and every day hereafter. For it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So this is one of the most fun texts to preach from on this particular day. Because no matter how long you've been in the church, no matter how many times you've heard the Christmas story, you're, there are still people who are surprised that we're still talking about Christmas. There are still people for whom it comes as a surprise that the wise men are finally showing up. 
in the presence of the Christ child. We don't hear about the manger anymore. We simply hear that the wise men have made it. And they have arrived after seeking and following a star, a star that gave them purpose. And it gave them a journey to embark upon and that gave them a destination to, to, to arrive at. And yet that destination simply gave them more to do on the journey that followed. We are all on this journey of faith and while it may seem a little odd to still be preaching around the Christmas story, it might be odd to have our candles lit and our trees up and our, and our presents around, what this simply says to us is that we as God's people act in a different time, in a different way. We are distinct from others because we see in our worship on this day with this text that we have been set apart not to jump from Christmas to Valentine's Day. I mean, that's what the world does, right? That's where we've already gone as a society, as a culture, and yet we step back as believers or as seekers, as those following at a star to say, hold on, there's more. The message is still before us. The Christ child is still in our midst, and we are still called to kneel and pay homage and then get up and go on our way and encounter this world around us. Now, this is a great story for this day when all the world seems to have carried on in time and to have jumped into 2020, leaving behind the celebration of Christmas. Here we are. And so we're going to consider for a while what this story means for us as believers, as seekers, and how it is that it informs us for our journeys. How is it that the star now gives us sight through eyes of faith? How is it that the star beckons us to be people of God? How is it that what we see through eyes of faith then begins to make a difference? How is it that that changes us from within so that we can be more present to what the Spirit would have us do without, around us, the inward to the outward? What does it all mean for us? Carl Jung says that true vision begins first by looking into the heart. Vision begins by looking into the heart. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but, but that's what we're going to do in our series of 2020 vision, again, beginning today. So we have the three kings, right? And this story begins to inform us, to tell us, to remind us that God is doing something altogether new. God is doing something altogether new for these kings have come into the salvation story, into God's story in the world from afar. Up until this point, we see God acting and, and witnessing and blessing the world through one people, through one nation, the Hebrew people. We understand that that is how God has chosen to operate for millennia, and that's changed. There's a pivot point here, not at the beginning of a new year necessarily, but simply because God is choosing to do something new. Choosing to witness in, in a different way. And so these kings come from afar, most likely we think from Persia, where there were a lot of astrologers, stargazers, and people who determined life by the movement of the stars. 
And so these kings have set out from Persia, modern-day Iran, most likely, going from Iran or Persia to Jerusalem to go and to pay homage and to figure out what this star before them means. So God has opened it up. God has broadened the circle. God has invited all people to the manger, and we all come and have opportunity to kneel, to worship, to pay homage, to offer treasure and talents. And we see that in the story before us. And so from wherever it is that we come, we we have this opportunity, this grace that abounds, and, and we are welcomed. And the message, of course, is we are to continue to welcome others, to invite them to, like us, like the kings, to be part of the salvation story, no matter what kind of past they have, where they've come from, what they've done, whatever. We get up, we move, we go, and we follow a star. So God has opened up this story. God has made it possible for all people to be part of what he wants to do in this world to bless this world through how it is we have received Christ and how it is that we share Christ. Now, one of the things I love about the kings, and I think this pertains to so many of us because, frankly, I don't think any of us have all the answers, do we? Anybody have all the answers? The kings got up and went to find Christ, followed that star without knowing exactly what it would all mean. For some reason, they had faith. Faith to get up and to leave what was familiar to them. Faith to get up and leave the known and go to the unknown. They had faith because of this star. And they believed that somehow, some way, this king of the Jews was going to make all the difference. Now, it's interesting to me, they don't even know what that phrase means, king of the Jews. Perhaps we don't either. What does it mean? We may not have all the answers. We may not know all the next steps. And yet it is by faith that we get up and that we go. That we seek to be in the presence of God. That we choose to worship, pay homage. Homage simply just means public respect. And we get up and we go and we have faith that this journey that we're on will make a difference because we've seen how it makes a difference throughout the millennia from this story up into our own. And so we get up in faith and we go and we follow and we have that North Star knowing that we might not fully understand our journeys, knowing that we might not all get the answers we want or understand or seek, but knowing that this journey is part of our faith story. And we simply want to know more, more about what this Christ child might do in the world and how it is we will be part of that. So the wise men, the kings, go with not having all the answers, but but knowing that by faith they will travel and arrive to Christ. And on the opposite end of that, we have Herod. Herod has the answer. Herod knows what it means when people call out the king of the Jews. Herod is quite familiar with that term, and it tells us that he is scared to death by it. Herod is frightened, and then what he does is he acts out of that fear. 
He acts out of fear that is within his heart. He acts and reacts, and he becomes cunning and conniving. And, and we know none of this is a good way to be, right? To live by fear, to live by suspicion, to connive and manipulate. We see this in Herod, and we know that we are called beyond that because we are not people who live by fright. Like the kings, we are people who live by faith. And in this story, we see these competing agendas that are out there and around us even still. We have people around us, maybe ourselves at times, are tempted to react with fear, out of fear, and fright at what is going on, how change may be coming to our world as Herod was afraid. We might be afraid of how that means we might have to give up some of what is ours and our power and our say even in our own lives and beyond. And so we have this competing agenda of Herod that represents the world and this competing agenda, this other agenda of the wise men who just are seeking to follow a star, a child whom they know will make a difference. And so as part of our 2020 vision, we began to look within our own hearts and ask ourselves, where is it that we need to pivot to be faithful? Where is it, how is it that we in our lives will be rerouted by our encounter at the manger? How is it that we get up from worship, from homage, and make a difference in this world around us? For Christ is right in the middle of these competing agendas. Christ is right in the middle, offering a new and different way, offering an ability to be faithful and to be part of what God wants to do in this world. And Christ will transform any agenda if we seek him and choose to make it so. I think Christ can transform complacency. That's a big deal sometimes in the church. People of God just get too comfortable, too used to the way things are, and yet God's calling for a pivot. I think Christ can transform the agenda of, of anger, of fright. I think Christ can transform the agenda of too busy lives. I think Christ can transform us in ways that we could hardly imagine when we set out on this journey, follow that star and bend a knee. And that's what we are called to do. Again, it makes sense to do it at the beginning of a new year, but really it is that continually, that continual process of looking into our hearts and understanding our own place in the salvation story and how it is what happens to us at the manger then becomes part of what happens to the world around us. Sometimes we're just not ambitious enough to do something monumental, to make a difference in our community and beyond. But as those who kneel at a manger, as those who will go forth, we have all kinds of possibility if we seek to embrace and engage and ask God for that continual vision. And Laura and I were coming to church this morning. I said, Laura, pull something up on your on your GPS that we've already passed and see how it tells us to get there. And it was so funny. It said, I'm going to try to get this right. It said, turn on Balanton Road. Balanton, you know, they just never get it right. But anyway, make a turn. 
If you want to get to your destination, if you want to arrive at the manger, if you want to follow a star, even without all the answers, turn at Belanton, people of God. Pivot, again, is what we're doing. Reroute based on what is going on in your heart that God is doing if and when we're willing to worship and kneel and submit and be obedient to agenda, not our own. I find the ending of this story just perfect for what we need to know at the beginning of a year and a willingness to be transformed Just what we need to know when we get up from the manger and go on our own way. The end of the story is perfect because it tells us that the wise men have learned in a dream. There's a lot of dreaming going on early in Matthew. But they have learned in a dream about what Herod intends. They figure it out. They know that this agenda no longer can be their own. And they decide this. This is what I think is so important. They decide that they will go home by another road. They decide that they who have met Christ will go home by another road, that their lives have been so transformed, so changed, that when they get up and when they go, they will be different. Literally, absolutely. We are told they do not go through Jerusalem. They are not going to, they're not even going to tempt themselves by being in that arena. They're not going through Jerusalem. Instead, they go home by another road without the GPS rerouting them through Belenton. They get up. They have been changed. They've encountered Christ. They've been transformed. And they've decided to go home by another road to live life differently, to seek what it is. I think they had to be transformed at the feet of Christ. And yet in that transformation, they decide to make it part of their lives. They get up and they go home by another road, literally and spiritually. They will not be the same people. They will not see the world in the same way. It began by faith, following the star that they had not too much of a clue about. They went to a destination where they didn't know what would happen, what the result would be, how their lives would be changed. They arrived. And then they allowed themselves to be changed and to go and to be different, to be transformed, to encounter the world not through what they saw, but with the eyes of faith that God provided. They rerouted. They began anew, probably each and every day, making a choice to see this world through eyes of faith, to see this world with the sight of God. To be part of what God was going to do. To be part of the salvation story even up into our day. And so on this day well into 2020, five days into 2020, far from Christmas as we typically think of it, we too are invited to have knelt at the, at the manger to submit ourselves, allow ourselves to be transformed in this moment. And to walk out those doors and go home by another way. Seek faithfulness through eyes of faith, the agenda of Christ. Nothing less than the salvation of the world. Amen. So we have knelt at the manger. We probably still don't have all the answers, but we have new sight. Go and be the people of God, embracing this world seeing what God would have us see and making a difference 
For it's in the name of Christ we go. Amen.